Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable. We are so glad to have you join us on today's podcast. But before we jump in, we have a special announcement. The CLIMB Conference is coming up at the start of 2022. And this conference is designed for pastors and their teams to come be a part of this. It is going to be January 27th through 29th. It is a time for your team to get poured into and to grow in their leadership. So you don't want to miss it. Go to climbconference.com and get your whole team here. Don't miss the early bird pricing. Now to today's episode. Today I have the privilege of talking to you about the future of volunteerism. I'm pretty excited about it because I have some new content that I've never shared before that you'll get to hear it for the first time. And whenever I do that, it's like a, a kid in a candy store when you get to share some, some new content. So thanks for having me, and let's jump in. According to the Microsoft Work Index, here's what they argue. 40% of people in the workforce are leaving the workforce or will within a year. 80% or so of job loss are directed at the lower workforce, the lower 25% of the workforce, and then 70% of employees, employers, excuse me, are struggling to find people that have the right skills and ability to do the job and the openings that they have. Well, what's happening in the business world obviously has an impact on the church world as well. And so for just a moment, I want to tell you about four quadrants that we believe volunteers now find themselves in and how then we can navigate that to really identify where people best fit so that they can thrive in and within our churches. See, when I was 17 years old, a young man called Robert Jackson came alongside me and he decided that there was something in me that he thought he should stir that gift. And so Robert, for the, about a year and a half, walked with me and developed me, and then he released the student ministry to me and said, I want you now to lead the charge. I want you to do to somebody else what I have done to you. And it wrecked my world and shaped the trajectory of my entire life. And ladies and gentlemen, we have the unique privilege of doing that. See, the church I grew up in in Jamaica, let me tell you about it. There are no paid, there are no, no paid professionals. Everyone, everyone were volunteers. And so whatever role they had, nobody was paid. And so what we did was we simply looked for gifts and abilities, uh, fanned the flame that God had put in them, and then sought to find out where they best fit. But as you know, since COVID, things have been different. And so there are four categories that we seek now at our church to identify volunteers in. There are four of them. Vo number one is volunteers as obligation, volunteers as fashion, volunteers as education, and then volunteers as passion. Volunteers of, as, as an obligation. Those are the people who, they, they're volunteering, but they're volunteering because somebody, somebody tapped them on the shoulder and asked them to do it, and they felt kind of guilty, so they went into the ministry. It's people who are new believers, perhaps, or just joined the church, and they feel that it's my spiritual duty to do something, so let let me, let me lend a helping hand, and they'll come alongside you, and they'll help you out. There's some people that are doing it for, 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 for multiple reasons, but because they're just saying, there's something that says I need to do something, and so they get involved, and they start working. The second one is volunteer as fashion. These are the individuals that come to church, and they have a cohort or a group of people that they enjoy, and so they want to be wherever they are. So they go, and they serve with them, and, and they enjoy the process of hanging out with them. And because their friends are there, 
they want to be there too. Then there are other people that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a ministry that's seen and very visible. So it's fashion. It's cool to be seen. And so there's some people that come in and they want to be a part of that experience. And they want to serve because they get to be, they get to be seen. And then the third one is volunteer as education. And now there's some people that want to serve because they want to learn more about a particular ministry. There's some people that want to serve because, well, if I can learn this particular craft, maybe it can even help me on my job. And then there's some people that I call it the level up people that they're trying to, they're trying to get some knowledge because they want to go do their side hustle in that particular area. Whatever the motive, whatever the reason, one of the reasons why we do this is so that we can identify where they're starting and then develop them spiritually into the real and the appropriate reason for serving. And then the last one is volunteers passion. These are the individuals that know what God's called them to do. And they, I try to identify where in the church they best fit so that they can use their gifts, their abilities, their passion, their hurts, their brokenness to then help others move in that direction. I wonder for you, where, where do your volunteers lie? Are they there for obligation, fashion, education, or passion? Are they, do they get their purpose unleashed in that particular area of ministry? So once you identify each one of those four um, and where your volunteers lie, the second question, which is perhaps the more difficult one now, is to discern um, just... Just where are the tensions and what will those tensions be so that they can thrive in this new volunteer experience that they have? You see, there, there, there are three big words that we try to assess when we look at every single volunteer in our church. The first one is capacity. Do they have the, 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 the capacity? Do they have the time to do the job? to do the assignment, to do the ministry, to do the calling that they have. Number two is do they have the commitment to pull this off? Are they, have they been faithful in the past and will they be faithful in the future? And then thirdly, do you understand the why or the cause of why they're doing it? And now the leader has to assess each volunteer according to each of these three uh, attentions that you have to balance. So now you have to look at capacity and find out, do they have the time to do this job? When, when you look at their schedules, is there, is there margin in there for them to be able to pull off what you're asking them to do? Secondly, you have to look at their commitment. This one is much more difficult, and you've got to ask questions around it. But the second one is, um, do they have the commitment that it will take to pull it off? Do they, do they, are they faithful? Uh, have, they, have they been tested? Uh, the church they're coming from or the opportunity or wherever they've volunteered in the past, have they been faithful there? Which then means, and it's a good indicator, that they might be faithful where you are. But you've got to ask the question of faithfulness. Why would you give them more when they have not yet been proven faithful? And then the third one is the why. Why are they doing this? This is where discipleship comes in. And so whether they start for fashion, I just want to be with my friends. I just want to hang out with my people. Or whether they're starting with obligations. I just feel a, a, a moral responsibility to do something. Or whether they're starting from education. I just want to, I want to, I want to learn more about this so that I, I can go do my side business or I can learn more in this area so that I can make a better contribution. But your job is to know why are they doing this? And how do I remind them of the real reason of why we do what we do? Because you know this. You have a lot of people that have capacity but not commitment. 
You have a lot of people that have commitment, and they want to do it, and they're passionate about doing it, but they don't have the capacity to do it. And so one of the things we have to then wrestle with in our world is we have to ask and answer the question, um, who are the people that best have the capacity, the margin in their lives, so that they can, they can literally do the job and it not become burdensome to either them or their family members? And so we've identified about seven of these people that we believe uh, have, have perhaps might have the capacity to pull off the ministry responsibilities that you might have. And once you get down where they are and you look at the post-COVID volunteer, then you go to the tensions between the capacity, cause, and commitment, then there are certain people that I believe you should prioritize in your recruitment. Well, let's talk about those seven. Number one. We believe then you should, you should go after people who are single, people whose hearts are not divided. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that, that, that when you get married, you have a divided heart. But when you are single, you're, you're devoted to Jesus Christ and his mission and his calling. Therefore, um, they should have the capacity. And when they do not, then it's our job to make sure we're discipling them in that vein. Number two is then the, 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 somebody who has a military background. Somebody who has already answered the questions of authority. Somebody who has already answered the question of command and control. Somebody who already knows how to be given an assignment and execute. It usually means, at least for us, that they have, they have gone through the rigors and the training. And so it's easier, we have found, to matriculate them into the volunteer process in our church. Number three, then, is the empty nesters. They're now looking for reasons bigger than themselves. They have gone through the process of taking care of their, of their kids. They have launched all of those kids. And now they get the opportunity to, what's next for us? And oftentimes the church leaves uh, these people out and tells them, yeah, you can go on a beach somewhere. As opposed to giving them real meaning and purpose in life to help the next generation navigate some of the same challenges that they have had. Number four is then the newlyweds. Come on now, you know it. They've been, they've been married for six months or so, and they're trying to figure out what do we do next, and they're trying to do the career path thing and make as much money as they can. And, and, and this is where you're, you're calling them to a higher calling and to give them opportunities to really together minister as a couple because you know this. Every couple has a bigger reason that God has brought them together, and it's not just for procreation. So your job in mind is to help facilitate them in that area so that they can discern what it is that God could be calling both of them to do. Number five, we call these the retirees. They've, 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 they've served in corporate America, and now they, they're trying to figure out, what do I do now with all this newfound time? Well, guess what you get to do? You get to, to speak vision and then ask them and invite them to then use their gifts and abilities now for the glory of God. Number six is people that have a ministry history or PKs or people who have um, um, in, the, in the past used their gifts and abilities. They've seen their parents do it. There might have been some church hurt and you want to walk them through that. And right after that, then you want to invite them to something that, um, that's pretty special as they use their gifts now, having seen it for the glory of God. And then the last one is obviously new believers. 
people who they just got saved. The excitement is high. They cannot believe a great and amazing God uh, saved them. And now they want to do everything they can for the glory of God. Well, that's the person that you want to begin the process of discipling, begin the process of mentoring and walking with them so that ultimately they can use their gifts as, as you give them um, a gift assessment and, you know, the drill. And you walk them through that process. And then you use and ask them, hey, would you mind serving in this particular capacity? Ladies and gentlemen, we've got this unique ability and this unique opportunity. As volunteerism perhaps decreases and in some places increases, to use and ask and invite people to go to another level in your relationship with them and in their relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that breaks my heart the most is that I get to use my gifts and abilities every single week. And I get to come up here and I get to teach the Word of God and I get to do it in the most creative way. And I'm really excited about that. But there's something that breaks my heart. And that is when I see the people that sit in our chairs week in, week out, whatever campus they're on, and I see them, and they don't get to use their gifts and their abilities for the glory of God. How is it that I get to use mine, and I get to thrive in mine, and they don't get to do it as well? And what breaks my heart, and what I pray for every single day, is that every person, in every chair, wherever they're watching us from, that God uses them just as much as he uses me for his glory and for his honor. Because there is no greater calling than to use your gifts for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether that's in the professional realm, at your job, whether that's at your local church, whether that's volunteering in, in some nonprofit organization, doesn't matter where. But here's what I want you to know. That the same exhilarating feeling you get when you get to use your gifts for the glory of God. My mission is that every person in our church gets to use their gifts with that same passion, with that same vigor for the glory of God, wherever they fit best. So it's our job to disciple them there. It's our job to inspire them there. It's our assignment to pray heaven will intercept their hearts so that they can use their gifts like you get to use yours and like I get to use yours. So as we continue... In extraordinarily difficult times, as we continue to lead, to create vision, to, to courageously move toward winning people to Jesus Christ and growing them up in Jesus Christ and reproducing leaders at all levels. I am pleading with you, don't give up. Don't give in. The stakes are too high for us not to inspire our volunteers to go to the next level. Thanks for having me, everybody. God bless. Thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. We are so grateful that you are here. Now, if this has helped you grow and you want to climb your leadership to the next level, don't forget the Climb Conference is coming up in January of 2022 from Bishop Van Moody to Pastor Eric Mason to our very own Dr. Conway Edwards. You don't want to miss this. There'll be so many more. Here's where you go, climbleadership.com. It will be in our show notes as well. We cannot wait to see you there.